Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am Always remember I am not a Wookiee. Hello there, and welcome to episode 47 of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series in whatever order we please. I'm your host, Cassie. And I'm your other host, the weird little freak musician alien. Tommy. Also known as Tommy. Because <laughs> we love our weird little freaks. We do. We really I do. tend we, to be frogs, we're but getting you know. A, ton of them in oh, this season i just which got is great. random goosebumps i was so excited about that um <laughs> and today we're gonna be talking about episode seven and eight of star wars visions two yeah. uh i guess season two but like volume two right mm-hmm. and these are the last two episodes we're going over we kind of went out of order these two are in order so it's the finale baby it is for us it's the bandits of golok and the pit and we are joined by the ridiculously talented writer, potter, hoster, whiner, dad. <laughs> whiner? No, not whiner like whining. Like, <laughs> so I didn't even catch that. I meant like <laughs> drinking wine. Whoops, I'm sorry. <laughs> and greatest dad of the cutest freaking little kids to ever grace this earth. It is Stick. Welcome, Stick. We're so glad to have you. I'm glad to be back, man. And the whiner thing is... On some days, it is it's accurate. <laughs> In both ways, I mean, right? We're we're all we're all whiners some days, right? Some some more than others, but yeah, we, yeah. we all have we're all out of wine every now and then. No, we uh, we were so like when they so when they announced there was a season two of Visions, it was like immediate. We were like, well, we got to have stick back, yeah, because right? you were like, the first guest that we wanted to have on the first one. So this just this worked perfectly. Yeah, you're our our. Uh, our friend who is an anime expert so like we have to talk to you about all things anime and i think the last time we talked on the podcast you said you're like i don't know if you can call me an anime expert i I don't know exactly how you phrased it but to us you're our our resident anime expert so um and kind of speaking of that i think speaking of anime expert uh we we kind of have a little bit of a glimpse into your kind of star wars background which is I'm assuming you still haven't watched a ton. You, you're not like a huge Star Wars connoisseur, right? Yeah, uh, I, I'm a, a novice. <laughs> a novice. A Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think that one of the reasons that we love having you on, obviously because you're just an awesome dude and you're a great guest, but also, again, that anime expertise. So I wanted to just kind of kick things off and see, is there, like, what is out that's new that you're watching, that you're enjoying in the anime world? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited about... It's called uh, Hell's Paradise. Mm. Um, it's an anime about this guy who's damn near unkillable. Um, oh. He's an assassin. 
and he gets caught up in this, you know, he's in prison and he's supposed to be assassinated, but he refuses. He could allow himself to die, but his body just keeps telling him not to. And it's, it's a story about how he's trying to get back to his wife, but he has to go to this distant island that nobody's ever come back from and had to steal an elixir that can make you immortal. And it's uh, it's trippy, man. It's it's really it's really trippy. Fascinating. That, that sounds super trippy. Is it? I'm going to assume because some anime, well, Pokemon doesn't do this obviously because it's a children's show, but some uh you know, very popular anime tends to be very gory. Is this is this on the gory side since he can't die? Uh, yeah, it it gets blood. It gets blood. <laughs> uh, really early on in like probably episode two, there's like this big battle and like they just hold no punches. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a bloodbath. Honestly, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I love. I actually am not phased by gory anime it's kind of actually crazy how more disturbing they make like animated gore than like like real life effects sometimes there's just something really brutal and disturbing about it you know yeah i think it's just they can play with like colors more so like blood just is very more vivid in anime so like and then like guts and stuff it yeah it gets yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well and the other thing that I wanted to touch on uh, was since we since you last were on our show, um, I I know that you started. A new, I think Two Tall Boys came out after you you'd appeared on our show, or maybe it was. I can't even remember now. Uh, maybe you, y'all were doing that before, but you also so new podcast, and I know you had a new book that came out as well. The uh, which is anime. I wouldn't even call it anime adjacent, but anime inspired, which was Easy Come, Easy Go, a poetic companion to Cowboy Bebop, which is just phenomenal. So I wanted to just ask real quick, and I didn't prep you for this one, so I apologize for that. But what was, how did you go about just starting to write that like poetic companion to Cowboy Bebop? So I watch Cowboy Bebop once every year. It's just, it's like an annual thing at this point. And, um, you know, last year, I was like, well, I, I'm about to do it again. And after the 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 greatness that was the live action, I wanted to cleanse my palate of, <laughs> of, of that. So I decided I, I just like the themes and the and the you know the the message that you know Cowboy Bebop tries to teach us. And I was like, well, let's see if I can convey it in a poetic you know atmosphere. So I would just you know every night or you know every night I would try to write. I would grab a an instrumental a very you know lo-fi instrumental and just wherever the words took me wherever the anime episode took me i would just write to that so i would watch anime write the words and then just craft it as time goes by i love that so much now do you feel like um a lot of the of the poems that are in the book uh that this like compilation like are they on every single yeah, there's I know one they're like on... based on each episode, but like, do you feel like sometimes it kind of got away from you and just kind of converted into something all its own? Uh, uh yeah, no. I feel like I try to contain <laughs> it. I try to contain it uh, to the characters as much as I can. Oh, yeah. you know, I would pick a character who I, I I enjoy the most, and sometimes it would be the main character, and then sometimes it'd be like a side character because I just found that they are more interesting. But again, I, I'm so enthralled by 
by some of the things and some of the characters where I like I can see myself in them and I can see some of their decisions and I'd be like, you know what, Spike? I don't like pets and women with attitude and kids too. You're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's just you know it's it's fun it's it's fun how one it's it's a piece of work but it's also still a part of me you know yeah, yeah. well and there's just some like j- just I just ran to grab our copy because I like wanted to actually make sure I did justice as I was talking about it but there like there's just like some really like just great lines in in this too like especially like the start of some of like the the later ones like. If this is a dream, be sure to tell them to let me sleep. Like, so good. <laughs> like, that's just so good. And then also, uh, for the one on Hard Luck Woman, the belonging is beautiful. It's music to my ears. Like, you you, you did a bang-up job. I'm just going to say. Fucking incredible, dude. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so, first of all, congrats on that. And then also, too, like, just wanted to just wanted to touch on that. Because, again, like, we're talking about... We are talking about an anime today. And Cowboy Bebop is... To, to me at least the anime <laughs> like so yeah. um and i think we both agree with you on that like it's just it's a transformative piece of work and i think there's something to be said about watching it every year because i'm sure you get something out of it every single time especially like as you get older right yeah and it, it's crazy because I, I it still hasn't even been like 10 years that i've actually watched the anime for the first time but like i said i can watch it every year and get something different i can see a different a different viewpoint and and some episodes where i'm like ah, i didn't really like this i'll rewatch it again i'm like you know what i picked up something different here or mm-hmm. I, oh wow they did a reference to the blues brother in this episode so like it's <laughs> fun to catch different things now you know so cowboy bebop again to me is the quintessential anime 25 years since it's you know debut wow and still very much not only you know, relevant today, but looking back, very progressive for its time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like a thousand percent. Yeah. And we'll have a tie in, a little bit of a tie in to Cowboy Bebop in one of the episodes that we're going to talk about today. So, um, yeah. Yeah. If y'all are ready, we can we can get into these. I'm- a little bit different than we did last time, Stick, which I kind of wish we had gone back and done this because I did not realize... So when you go into, when you're watching this on Disney+, Plus, um, as we've kind of prefaced with all of our other episodes, there are there's an extra section, and it's called Filmmaker Focus, and every vision story, even in the first season, has yeah, one. Yeah, we missed that. We really need to go back and watch <laughs> that, yeah. But I'm telling you, watching that before, if you have the chance, if you haven't watched all of them, watching those before you watch the episodes just brings so much more gravity and um insight especially because this season we have so many different cultures um coming into these stories so like i said the first one that we're gonna go over so we're doing episode seven bandits of golak and we're also doing episode eight the pit and the first one was actually done by 88 pictures studio they're from mumbai india um and i got a little bit of a Um, summary about their company off their website Um, driven by a zeal for perfection and creativity 88 pictures adopts a unique approach to the art of animation vfx gaming vr and brings your stories to life with a steadfast focus on creativity 
excellence, and a highly skilled talent pool who understand and share your vision. We deliver world-class quality content across various formats. Um, and some of the maybe familiar animations that they've done recently, um, Troll Hunters, uh, which they worked with DreamWorks. Actually, a lot of their stuff is with DreamWorks, so that's pretty cool. Tales of Arcadia and Fast and Furious Racers, which I didn't know existed. Did not know that was a thing. You have kids. Have you heard of any of these, Stick? Well, first off, do we really need more Fast and Furious if we're being honest? <laughs> we're on like nine now, right? Is uh, that no, it? we're on ten, I think. Oh, well, I, I thought guess... you were going to say like 40. <laughs> it feels like that, though. I, it does. <laughs> well, and also, too, like, no, we're not going to. We're not going to, you know what? I'm going to stop myself. I'm just going to stop myself. Okay. It's so easy. It's so it, easy yeah. to have a digression. That like, would be a long one. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to go on a digression on Fast but and Furious. But this is an animation. So that's kind of cool. That's definitely not something we've had as much of with Fast and Furious. That's not what I think of, at least originally. Yeah. I've heard of, we, we've talked about Troll Hunters. I think one of the other studios uh, that we, we talked about earlier on the season worked on troll hunters as well i think oh, okay. which is which is wild so okay um well and in the filmmaker focus um first of all just an incredible story from this studio um they really wanted to like seamlessly enmesh indian culture with star wars culture 88 pictures is one of the studios that uh, has rendered something that is uniquely of their culture I think that is such a special thing in an anthology that was really hoping to get that cultural foundation to express itself in its storytelling. I think Visions to talk about how Star Wars touched upon different culture, geographies, people around the world. And that's when I got excited. We are a country of 1.3 billion people. We, we have stories. And there are a lot of Star Wars fans here. Give us an opportunity to tell a story which can uh, be part of Star Wars, but can come from India. Which, honestly, is not hard, I feel like, because it's so vibrant and beautiful and colorful, and so is Star Wars, and I feel like it was just like a seamless... It just made sense, right? Um, and you can really see that with the animation in this episode. Um, and then at the same time, they wanted to tell this beautiful, very relatable easy story easy as in understandable by anyone right yeah of a brother just deeply caring for his sister um and you know india is a country of 1.3 billion people um they all have stories to tell and they needed the opportunity to tell a star wars story from india so it's it's just really cool that that was one of the first places that star wars wanted to go to and they got them um so this was written and directed by Ishan Shukla. And in the short, in the extra, he talks about just like a lot of his uh, co-workers talk about how he has this like amazing amalgamation of authentic Indian knowledge and Western storytelling. And his first idea for this episode was Order 66. This particular one story I found in a young filmmaker of Palushan. He has a very beautiful amalgamation of Western sensibility of filmmaking with a lot of authentic Indian knowledge. The first thing which came to my mind was Order 66. It changed Star Wars world for good. All the Jedi's were supposed to go away or become recluses. So that was big, definitely. And I, I really wanted to go into that era between the prequels and the sequels. 
and then we had uh, our nilesh sardesai who's our creative director i think he's a star wars expert star wars released in india in the late 70s and i remember as a kid my father took me to see star wars on a 70mm screen i was hooked i was hooked for life so he was the one guiding us at every stage stick this was one i'm i'm thinking for like for you like this is one because it is so it is a little bit more steeped in star wars lore this one might have been a little bit harder to like not harder to glean cuz i think the story elements are just there but like did you feel like you were missing like a la- like any kind of context going into this one? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure because I, I felt like watching it again, like you said, the story elements were there, so I can. It was easy for me to follow the story. There were things where I was like, "Well, well damn, why, why, why did that happen?" Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I, 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 I'll ask y'all because I feel like for y'all, it's a little bit different for me. Um, it's easy for y'all to pick up on like the Easter eggs and the references, right? Does that take away? Does am I missing the experience by not knowing things? Um, you know, I, I think I think with some of these, maybe a little bit. With this one in particular, so when we get to the pit, I think the pit like kind of stands alone, absolutely on its own. Yeah, a lot of the stories in in season two of Visions, I think, are pretty. They're pretty standalone. Like, you can kind of, like, glean something from them. As far as timeline goes, I feel like Order 66 era is kind of where a lot of them, like, reside. Because it's, like, in this in-between. So, I think think knowing about Order 66 gives you a little bit of um, heightened context, for sure. But I don't think it... I don't think it... It's like a nice little, oh, okay. Like, you kind of know where a little bit of it's going to go, you assume. But it's not detrimental i think for this one in particular it's a little it's a little more i think than than the others but i think that the like the the common theme right is just like the there's there's bad people which you get with the episode right like there's there's bad dudes (laughs) definitely the girl Um, and then obviously like people are fleeing and they're i think the thing that probably is like the most important detail for this one is that Jedi, right, like, who are, like, the Force users, like, in, uh, you know what a Jedi is. Uh, I don't know why I'm starting to explain that. Like, Come on now. Uh, th- they're, like, hunted in this time period, and anybody who is, even shows kind of, like, traits of being a Jedi, like, especially children, are, like, hunted down uh, by people called Inquisitors, which... Mm-hmm. And they the- literally, like, raise entire villages. So I just actually, to find them. I, like, didn't realize that so I ended up watching this extra after I watched this one, and so I didn't get that context either. Like I understood what an inqu- I I recognize an Inquisitor simply from the armor because I've seen it before. But have but having him talk about Order sixty six afterwards when I, I rewatched it again, and and at the very beginning of the episode, the little girl is asking why they burned down the village, and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, they do that. Like they would just raise entire villages when the village refused to give up their Force-sensitive children, or if they were like, you know, the Inquisitor would be like, the Inquisitor would just start killing off people typically to strong-arm the villagers into, you know, giving up the location of a Jedi or something like that. So we can assume that's what happened in this episode, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I think at its core, you probably don't miss anything, and 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 this one in particular, I don't think there were a lot of like Easter eggs. I think in this one, it was more just kind of like that main crux story piece also 
apologies if you hear our cats running around in the background of course this is the time thumping up and down the hallway (laughs) time they decide they're just gonna make as much noise as possible but i love i love cats so it's fine that is is interesting though because now that now that you give me that background i'm thinking about all the stories from season two and it was a lot of the sitter taking over the sitter hunting people down now it that makes a little bit more sense now yep yeah it's I mean, that's kind of like it's a poignant it's like a it's like a really prevalent um, I feel like like puncture point in Star Wars television right now because we have Obi-Wan or we have the Kenobi series, which just came out not long ago. And that takes place when when Obi-Wan's being hunted down by Inquisitors because he has survived Order 66. Um, And that's at the very beginning Timeline wise, it's obviously at the very beginning of that because we have a young, we have a Anakin turned Darth Vader like that just happened. Um, so that's pretty cool to see that in real life, yeah, uh, and see see some of that happen in live I, action. I am excited, and we'll talk about this towards the end of the episode. But given like just w- where you're coming from, like coming into this from in terms of like where your Star Wars like lore knowledge is i'm curious what your favorite ones are going to be and if how that mm-hmm. could like impact it because i want to talk about our favorite ones like towards Absolutely. the end so so we'll get ready to get into the um story i'm gonna just go through our as we as we typically do the um cast list so like i said this one is written and directed by ishan shukla who's also um written and directed some other indian films uh shirkoa kalki um, and as far as the cast goes, we're talking about the um, uh, voice acting cast. We have Shiraz Sharma as Charak, who actually was um, in Life of Pi. He was the main character in Life of Pi, which I still haven't seen. That's wild. <laughs> but it's like, a obvi- I understand that it's a very deeply poignant and amazing movie. Have you seen Life of Pi, Stick? No. Um, but that's, uh, God, is that the... It's the one with the tiger. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like everyone, everyone like recognizes it, you know, he was also in, um, how I met your father, Mm -hmm. which I, I didn't know was a show. I'll be honest. I'm guessing it's a spinoff of how I met your mother. Yeah. It's still going on. I think, I think it just started like maybe a year ago, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's fairly new. Okay. So I guess that's like, Oh, it has Hillary. Oh, wow. That's wild. That's so bizarre. I did not know that either. Interesting. I guess it's got, that's got to be like a different story, right? Because they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess how the one person met their mother would also be how the father met, how the mother met the father. I have no idea. So it has to be, I don't know. (laughs) I've never watched How I Met Your Mother, so I don't really know what that's even about. (laughs) So we have uh, Sanal Kashal as Rani, the little girl, and she's in a lot of, um, like kids animation shows, uh, Doraemon, which I've definitely seen. I haven't seen it, but I know the character. If you like Google Doraemon, definitely like a very familiar, um, famous character. Yep. Panaki and Happy, Boot Bandus and Chota Beam, uh, Niraj Kabi as the Inquisitor. Um, Niraj is a multiple award-winning film and theater actor, best known for his performance in Ship of Theseus and Talvar. Um, he also won Best Actor Awards at the Sakhalin International Film Festival and the NBC Newsmakers Achievers Awards. Damn. Yeah. And he's an That's amazing crazy. voice. That's the Inquisitor. He sounds... I mean, he has an incredible voice. Uh, Lilette Doobie is Rugal, 
our resident badass old lady Jedi. Hell yeah. Um, she is an actress and a director. She's known for the best exotic Marigold Hotel, uh, Calho Naho, and the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. I've heard of both of those. I have I've never two. watched them, but those like as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah. oh wait, I know it. I've I've definitely heard of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Sahil Vaid as a Magadi and a scavenger. Uh, Sahil's an actor and art director um, known for Shersha, Dil Bichara, and Satya Mev Jayate. Uh, Richard Joel as a scavenger. Um, he's in Solo, not the Star Wars one. <laughs> There's another oh. movie called Solo. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I have to denote that because if it was Solo, the Han Solo Star Wars story, we would have to talk about that. Um, That's wild. And then uh, he also played, there's uh, Samatha Ray as the conductor and the Jangori leader. Um, Rajiv Raj, Aviral Kumar is a Stoom Trooper. Stoom Trooper? Storm Trooper? <laughs> a Stoom Trooper. We know, we know what you meant. Ishtakar is a Stoom Storm. I keep saying it now. Stoom Trooper. <laughs> Aditya Sharma and Shivani Darbari as various crowd and alien members, which we'll talk about a particular alien voice in a little bit too, because it's amazing. So just like a lot of these, we have a lot of like th- like a lot of Indian like actors. Oh, pretty absolutely, much exclusively. Yes. Um, which and is I didn't cool. I didn't have anywhere to note this in the specifics of the episode, but I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. One other thing I wanted to point out about you know the in the Indian inspiration in this episode. Um, all of the characters, this is just a really cool little thing. They originally dressed all the characters in traditional Rajasthani attire. So a lot of the the village that we see is based on Rajasthan. And all of the traditional attire they wear is obviously very beautiful and colorful. But then they went and redid their um, drawings once they did the Rajasthani attire and like melded it with like sci-fi elements. So that's kind of how you get that like perfect, which I th- it really is like a perfect like amalgamation of Indian culture and alien culture, right? And we'll see some of the creatures and stuff actually blend into that too, even the food as well. So uh, the Disney Plus description for this is fleeing from their village by train and pursued by ferocious imperial forces, a boy and his force-sensitive younger sister seek refuge in a vibrant and dangerous Daba, which a Daba is a um, Indian village, and so that is what they that's what they reference it as in the in the video. Oh, that's as awesome! Well. Um, so that's pretty cool. So I, I don't have like a t- I haven't like watched a ton of like Indian films or anything like that or any like is Bollywood is like the correct like those Indian musicals. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I know that like that's become like a lot bigger. Oh, yeah. like recently, and I'm I'm so interested. In it. There was a recent like. There's a recent movie that came. I feel like mm-hmm. that came out of Hollywood. that was like super popular. I can't think couple. of the name. <laughs> I know. I'm like I'm like blanking on it. Um, but it was really it was really cool to watch this and like get a little bit of of that because now I want to go and like mm-hmm. watch more. But I also and I, I'm curious what you think about this stick too because like the way the story starts, it feels almost kind of like a quintessential like like a, like anime jumping off point, right? Of like two young kids that have powers and have to like go somewhere right mm-hmm. like it felt very familiar to me in that regard yeah uh you know it's definitely you can tell uh they were setting up uh you know with a, a missing father or like you know you don't know what happened to the why mm-hmm. they're on the run don't get that backstory uh clearly the younger child is the one who's actually the strongest one have you ever noticed that 
It's like there's yeah. always one that, that yeah. clearly looks should be stronger, but it's always the smaller one that's like, oh, mm-hmm. there, watch out for. It's so true. Yeah. It's it's like, I mean, I don't. I, I think of like the cell packages in like like Dragon Ball Z, where it's like Gohan has to be the one to like take on Cell, like <laughs> like, and I I know that Gohan like falls off like at a certain point, but you know that that was just bad parenting. <laughs> I, I would I would much rather say um, when uh, the Saiyans Saiyans came in. So you're looking at Nappa and you're looking at Vegeta. Nappa's this big, strong, burly dude, ball head yeah. guy. He goes through like the first four or five guys and, and you know you know you know does away with them. But it's really Vegeta who you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's, he he doesn't look assuming, but he's so strong. So it, that, that that it definitely gives off that anime type of vibe. Yeah, there is that. I mean, that is like that's you're a thousand percent. Right, like that is like a a trope. I feel like of mm-hmm. like the younger child being like the more. I don't know why that's a thing. And like, the younger child always seems to be the one that gets everyone in trouble with their powers, right? That's which is true. Like, which yeah. is exactly what happens here. So like a little bit of synopsis at the beginning. They're on the train. You know, Ronnie is just being a little girl. She's hungry. She's whining. She's like, I'm hungry. What's you know what's happening? And clearly, um, you know, Charuk's like. Everyone else on the train is like very dejected and quiet and there's a lot of like sketchy looking aliens on the train. Like we don't know, like, you know, Chark's like, hey, we just need to be quiet. We need to get to this place that dad told us to go to. And she's like, but I want to play the flute and I'm hungry. (laughs) And so she's just acting like a quintessential kid, right? Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I I don't want annoying children in, in, in anime <laughs> so it's like it's top three like my, my least favorite like tropes in anything in any animation it's like yo dog oh god so much trouble could be could be done with if we just had the kids just not do that I saw it myself. She has special powers. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, think, Jarak, think. Hey, 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 I don't think she was as whiny as like she could have been. No, but like she definitely like yeah she like she's the whole reason that they like get kind of like found out. Yeah, well she uses know? the force and everyone sees it, and so that's the huge thing, right? It's like, and I don't want to I don't want to overlook my favorite part in this entire oh, episode is this freaking freak alien trotting down the trotting down the the with the little side cart of candy going. Blum, blum, <laughs> blum, blum, lebby. Like, what was that, dude? <laughs> I don't know, but I love the blum, blum. We just kept walking around the house, stick, just like imit. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what his deal was, but was so I, he cute. was incredible. He was like, he was like the dudes at the baseball games. Popcorn, yeah, popcorn, yeah, yeah. It like, was like blum blum, <laughs> yeah. Lebby. and like he he literally said like three 
words, I guess. Blom Blom um, Levy. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently was... he's an Aki Aki, okay. which is an actual oh yeah, race yeah, yeah. from Star Wars. So a lot, I've noticed, and I we're actually we're actually bad Star Wars connoisseurs right now, stick because we haven't watched Andor, which everyone else has watched, and we haven't watched that. But every time I go and I look at one of these new aliens that I see in the season that I think is just like a new alien, it ends up being from Andor. So this guy's from Andor, and I really hope that they go blaum blaum in, in Andor too, because if they don't, I'd be pissed. <laughs> they hands set, down. They set expectations high now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was hands down I need it. my favorite part. Well, actually, I don't think he was my favorite part of the episode, but I, I love favorite. that favorite. Yeah. And so the Lebby, too, is actually not an original Star Wars thing either, of course. Jalebi is a right. Indian uh, dish or treat. Lebi has been derived from a local uh, sweet called Jalebi. Uh, we attached a stick, gave it uh, stripes like uh, a lollipop and uh, giving it a semi-alien look. Lebi became such a crucial part in the film in which, in term, not just in terms of food, but also in terms of how important it was for that little girl and how it plays a crucial role in the cantina in the end. Lebi! So it's a spiral-shaped traditional Indian sweet made with flour, basically mixed with little chick, like little chickpea flour and yogurt. Um, although you don't have to add yogurt if you don't want to. Um, the batter is fermented and then deep fried and dipped in sugar syrup, which is probably incredible. Honestly, yeah, anything deep fried, I mean. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, he, and and um, one of the, uh, one of the um, storytellers actually said, like, you know, we just used Jalebi and then we attached a stick, gave it stripes like a lollipop and made it look alien. Oh, that's was like, rad. Yeah, pretty much. That's all you have to do. Um, Before we go further, since Levy is like a real thing, the Blom Blom is like, that's just... I don't know. I, just, just like I hope that's just thing, what right? he was saying. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I couldn't find anything. For, I swear, though, he's going like, Blom Blom. He's definitely like just saying some weird ass thing, and it's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> and I love him. And I want to marry him. Okay. So the next thing hey, that happens... <laughs> The next thing that happens, uh, as we already insinuated, is there's this entire instigation where Ronnie grabs the flute using the force. She starts playing this beautiful instrument. And then, of course, everyone goes goes nuts. Right. And we're led on this chase, this incredible chase sequence where the stormtroopers are, you know, um, Charik is like distracting them from grabbing Ronnie. But then at the same time. We have this settlement that the train goes through that apparently is like a high level of security like alert to the stormtroopers um, because it's a Jangori settlement. And the Jangori are a um, Studio 88 created group. Um, I don't know if they're bandits or if they're raiders or if they're just people living there because they're fighting the stormtroopers. So I'm kind of already on their side. You know, like if they're just like jumping this train, I don't really care. Um, but did you have any? Do you have any thoughts at this point, like how it kind of shifts from this kind of goofy, like sort of anime feel to like this pretty more, much more action-packed kind of segment? Yeah, I, I a couple of notes that I have here, just at I guess to this point was I, you know, I, I thought the animation was great. Like, like I, I love the animation, how they were very. Everything felt real, if that mm-hmm. means um, super colorful, which, you know, if you ever just any culture, everything's so colorful, everything's so vibrant. So mm-hmm. that was I, I'm, I was just matching this. 
this episode. The sh- I did make a note that the pacing was weird in this one. So like yeah. that quick shift was crazy to me. And and like you say, I didn't know that the, uh, the word Jane Gory, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they, I didn't know that they were like a, they, they created them themselves. So I was kind of confused at what was going on there. I didn't know if they were being helpful and were trying to, you know, help the train or was it they were going to get on the train regardless, even if they weren't there. So it was just a little confusing with that. But I did like the action. Um, I thought the train scene was really cool. Um yeah, I thought I thought I thought up to this point I was very intrigued of where they were gonna take us from here. I thought that the, it was gonna be like a a bottleneck episode and everything was gonna happen on the train. Oh, mm, you know that would have been interesting. I'll be honest, I kind of think I would have liked that a little bit better if it was like everything on the. Train. I don't know. The ending's pretty badass, but I, it is. It is. Everything that happens after is still good. But like, man, you saying that now, I'm like what is this episode if they're on the train and like the train like goes off the rails and mm-hmm. like what if uh i'm blanking on her name but ronnie, the, has ronnie to save is them. on the train man also it would have given more context <laughs> for the ring uh the jangori which i think yeah. i think sticks right like i agree like the pacing yeah it was weird to include them i think not weird to include them but i think maybe the justification like I'm trying to give a justification was to like make a further distraction for them to be able to leave. Like the Jangori weren't there to do that literally, but they ended up being more of a distraction, right? Because um, they ended up running over the like um, Charok ends up running over the train cars, and then Ronnie uses the force to open up the hatch before he gets his head chopped off by the cave, and then they he goes back into the tunnel. But like he could have had a race with the stormtroopers, whether the Jangori were there or not. Yeah. It- it did feel off. Like it, it felt like it. It really did feel like there was just like a like maybe a little bit too much that they mm-hmm. were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I agree with everything you said. Stick of like I think that the kind of the style of this episode I think is like what elevates it. Um, the animation itself, like the animation, actually kind of reminded me a little bit of um, like. Clone Wars, when it kind of hit its yes. groove, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the Bad Batch, which are both two mm-hmm. like animated, very painterly. Mm-hmm. Which they actually um, did that on purpose. Oh, okay, um, they actually drew inspiration from the in actually drew inspiration from paintings from um, Edwin Lord Weeks, which is like um, very old historical paintings um, where he painted Indian subjects, usually in like villages or in marketplaces and you know he used very vibrant colors to paint these just day-to-day scenes of indian culture and actually the jangori the one the one thing that is really cool about them even if they didn't feel like they kind of like fit into the context of the story um did you guys notice the mask that some of them were wearing Mm-hmm. so i thought they looked like pikes at first because um Pikes are like these aliens that wear masks that are typically raider type kind of aliens. But the masks were actually um, based off of uh, Rajasthani dance masks, which were like, there's like the specific Rajasthani dance and they would, ha- they would have those masks. So that's really cool. I, I love that they incorporated something like that um, into it. Yeah. I-, I I'm glad that like that was kind of like a, a good, I, I like that aspect of of the of them, but I also think like you could have had that like 
I'm still stuck on what you said, Stick, of like, it could have just been a bottle episode. Yeah. And I, you could have just had that them on the train at yeah. some point, you know, mm-hmm. like had like dancers or something. Um, and maybe like figured out whether or not they were the good or the bad guys. Because at the same time, the train's mm-hmm. being conducted by stormtroopers. So, yeah. Or I, like, we assume that the conductors are probably Imperial subjects. I, I'm assuming. I don't want to be too negative on this, but like, man, I feel like there is like a little bit better of a story there. Yeah. Everything that we got was cool, like I said, but like I, the more I think about it, I think that like there's like I think if it, they made things a little more succinct and a little bit more uh, not to use the idiom like talking about being on a train, but on the rails, <laughs> like they kept it a little more confined. Like I think we it might have been a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. So the, the next part, though, is still very engaging, even though it's not what we might have expected at this point. So, um they get off at the next stop and they get to this village again that's supposed to kind of be iterative of like a Rajasthani village um, a Gol- the Golak Motel and a Daba and again the, the word Daba actually means restaurant so it's like a traditional Indian restaurant and outside we see you know the all of these different types of aliens eating different alien food um, and then there's amazing little freak alien playing music as <laughs> we typically have of course this one has multiple arms um, which is indicative of a lot of mythological creatures in Indian culture. Um, they said that they really wanted this alien to be an entire band of his own so he could play every single instrument. One of the most interesting character, my personal favorite, though it has only probably one or two shots, is a musician. The way the musician were designed, it had turban, it had those jackets. Four hands and tail, which also used to drums. So that he could play four or five instruments together and would not need... A band as such. That dude was sick. Yeah. Nice. Um, and uh, you had mentioned, Tommy, that you thought this looked like some kind of like like a snake charming sort of situation. Uh, the Kalbelia are a snake charming tribe from the Thar Desert in Rajasthan. So that kind of is... Oh, shit. A, a, a reason that they kind of had that in there, which is very cool. Um, and the Kalbelia... Um, are their female dancers wear a lot of the same dress that Rugal we see Rugal wearing, so mm-hmm. she's kind of um, dressed as that as well, um, just to get a little bit kind of more to the crux of what happens in this this part of the story, so we can kind of talk about it. Um, so two of them, uh, Charak and Ronnie, kind of settle in, and who we then find out to be Rugal kind of tells them they can sit and eat, but they need to hurry up because apparently there's like a sandstorm coming. Um, and while they're eating, you know, Ronnie gets a little bit relaxed and she starts to like fuck around with the force again. And Charak's <laughs> like, don't do that. And of course, there's this great moment where like this big ass alien is like wrestling this little dude. And he's probably drunk. I don't know. He's an alien, so I don't really know what he's doing. But um, he's a Caridian, which is again from Andor. And he's bullying this little alien. And Rugal hovers the plate of food over his head and smashes it on his head. And of course, he like wheels around and like in like characteristic like slapstick comedy, like thinks it's the little alien. And uh, they start fighting. Um, however, two aliens again see her do the force and they start like jabbering to one another. Um, like, how did she not learn? <laughs> I mean, I guess she's a child. She's a so kid. So that's how she didn't learn. Yeah. But like, man, it's just kind of. You know, like you said, stick. It's like always that, always the young kid causing trouble and being a little bit annoying. <laughs> like, 
It's so bad, man. I, I I watched it. I was like, yo, please. Oh my god. I I just mm-hmm. I I feel for Charuk, man. I was like, yo, man, listen. Maybe you should just leave her. Leave her. Leave her where she's at. <laughs> where she's at. I mean, she does have the fork. She's more probably going to fend better than he is on his own if he was that young, you know? And he does eventually leave her where she's at. That's true. <laughs> that's, where the, that's where the episode ends up, uh, which I have thoughts about that. But Yeah. Um, so in comes, as this happens, in comes our Inquisitor, who is so fucking badass. And so, Stick, like I said... I think we recognize this character off the bat purely because of the way his lightsaber looks, because Inquisitors actually typically have, not all of them, but there's another, in- they do all have? Yeah, they, oh, so, yeah. I, th- I didn't know that. I thought it much. was just the one guy. They all have, like, this, like, standard, they're kind of more, like, uniform, these characters are, and they have a double-bladed lightsaber, and you don't see it here. It's on, like, a wheel. Yeah, His typically. was on a wheel, too. Yeah, they have, like, a setting where their they're, they're lightsaber just, like, fucking helicopters. Like, they just, like, the they don't even have to, off, sp- I don't know. they don't even have to spin it around, which, like, I guess you could argue, like, maybe that's, like, the easiest way to give them. And if you're fighting Jedi, it's yeah. like, here, just spin this thing in their face. Turn it into this, like, spinning blade thing. But anyway, yeah, so he has the same kind of, like, standard issue lightsaber that, like, all the other inquisitors uh have of like that du- like dual blades and but also he was just like a menacing dude like dude so he um i don't know about you guys but i i immediately thought of indian mythology again when i saw this guy i mean green blue skin is typical of an alien but it's also very typical of different mythological characters um like shiva and and other like deva and gods but then also um Vitra, which is a Danava in Hinduism. Um, so Vitra is actually, um, he's the personification of drought and is an adversary of the king of the Devas, Indra. As a Danava, he belongs to the race of the Asuras. Vitra is also known in the Vedas as Ahi. So Vitra, Vitra um, is the actual like Dana- like king of the Danavas that the studio said they were inspired by. Oh. And... Originally, he was a giant. Our inspirations came from Indian mythology, really. So there is, uh, there are these good and evil characters in Indian mythology, and one of them is uh, Vratra, which is called uh, a Dhanav uh, in Indian mythology, which is like a huge, uh, giant creature. When we first started it, we wanted somebody to be really mesmerizing. But when we started working on it, I thought that it's going to be even more powerful when it's it's a little bit more underplayed. It was very challenging, okay, because in like Star Wars, everybody is seen like a black uh, costume. It's very simplified, it'll be very simplified. But when it comes to India, nothing is simplified. We make it everything complex. So we want to make it uh, a little complex. Uh, so we have put like a face, humanly face, with alien uh, skin texture, and then Indian ka little bit or gold ornaments, and then we had a woody with little bit of horns. I expected no less. But they mentioned that they were like he could have been a giant. Could you fucking imagine? He did. He did. He he was cool. Yeah, and he did feel pretty big. Like that's what they kind of got. That's what they ended up saying, right? Is that like having him in that more humanoid stature ended up making him even more imposing. I mean, he the voice coupled with like his expressions and like he had this like gnarled like scar like yeah. But he, he was very menacing in the way he spoke and I think that com- coupled with like again his voice actor and and again he his height was just 
bigger than most people except for like some of the aliens so i think that combination really made him it it still gave him that giant feel if you if you get what i'm saying yes absolutely and it also made me even more fucking scared when i saw a plate hovering over his head and i was like are you serious like this guy's talking about how he just burned a village down which we can assume was probably no he i think he's basically saying it was there yeah and he also said that there were no survivors which unfortunately means that his parent, their parents are probably dead, um, and yeah. yet she's still. We think she's still hovering a damn plate over his head. <laughs> that that part is super brutal and is pretty. Uh, <laughs> something Star Wars loves to do is burn like, um, burn, burn villages, <laughs> like burn they, dads. Yeah, like they just that's just a Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're living somewhere, you're there's a chance your village might get burned. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I thought. I thought that dude was superimposing. I do, man. I do kind of. I'm like, what would he? What would this evidence have been like if he was a giant? Like Insane. that would have been kind of sick. But yeah. Um, of course, we find out that it's not Ru- uh, Ronnie fucking with him at this point. She's actually just as terrified. And just as a sandstorm starts to kick in, we find that it's not her, but Ronnie uh, Rugal, who is pulling all the strings. And we have this incredible fight scene with this incredible fucking music, man. The music is so good. It's like so fast paced and just like perfectly like Indian, like in its essence. it's just so amazing like when we watched it again i got so excited especially when you see rugel jump out and she takes her fucking cane apart and then she has two lightsabers so it's kind of a cool juxtaposition because we have this young jedi and then we have a much older jedi right i would assume she's a master right i get i would assume because of how the story ends Absolutely. Yeah, she's she's definitely got to be, I mean, she's definitely very experienced. We don't know if she's, like, just helping the Padawans or what, but she definitely, you know, obviously takes her in. Um, and, of course, before she does that, I just want to get y'all's thoughts on uh, her slicing that guy's throat open, and he's talking while his throat is open. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is brutal as shit. Anime right there. Yes! There you go. We were talking about gore earlier. It all comes full circle. And the fact that he's like 
talking and he's just like laughing and saying like again like at the very beginning he was like a jedi in golak and he was like laughing about it and then he gets his throat slit and he's still like a jedi in golak and he's still laughing about it and then he fucking falls over there's actually a couple like little moments that i wanted to like zoom in on that right before i think this is right before she comes out there's this moment where like everything is like kind of chaos and they're kind of moving in like yes. slow mo um and sh- like it- it's this like really it's interesting like fucking matrix man it is yeah and it's like this really interesting way that they do the camera where it like follows um it follows uh charak or ronnie ronnie sorry it follows ronnie and it's like moving and it kind of starts moving in slow-mo but then it like the camera moves in weird ways that it hasn't moved throughout the whole episode and that was kind of i honestly think that that was my favorite part yes. and then the two like the cane lightsaber moment were like my two favorite parts of this whole episode mm-hmm. now during that part was did the, was there music playing i can't remember i felt like i, I felt like it went silent during that during that chaos i think there was like it, one of those dubstep like Boo. Yeah, like a, like a very woofery. I have to go back, but I feel like that's what it did. It was just like boo. I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to do yeah, it. Yeah, I mouth. think it was something, something to that, something like that. But yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it was before the music like really kicks in. Um, because you're right. I I like remember the music in the rest of the episode, but in that moment, I was very much like I don't, I don't remember if they had something going on there. Yeah. Well, the ending to this one, of course, as we already kind of talked about, was um, Rugal taking Ronnie. And I love seeing the water kind of part and seeing the Jedi insignia on the stone. And they go down. And, of course, kind of the ending kind of wraps up in, you know, Charak realizing that he has to let his sister go. And I guess he's just going to go hang out wherever. I don't know. But he doesn't get to go into the Jedi Temple with the rest of the Jedi. Which is kind of like a controversial thing for us because you watch Screechers Reach, right? Stick, the one with the Sith taking the little girl away. I did, I did. Yeah, I mean, the Jedi also take people away from their family, which we've seen also, there's another episode where that's like actually ends up being a great we're fine with it. But this yeah. one, we're still kind of questionable. So before before I give, I rant on this for a second. <laughs> Stick, what, what, so what did you think of that moment where like, so you have like the water parted, there's this like hidden staircase and you have, uh, Ron, uh, why am I like, I can't get any of the names right. Rugal is talking to Ronnie is like, you have to come with me. Mm-hmm. But then she tells Charak, like, Bye. no, you have to stay here. Like, what what went through your head when that happened? Well, after watching all the episodes, I realized that Star Wars has a kidnapping problem. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you realize that, right? Like, in a lot of these episodes, if you notice, it's always adults. And you say, hey, yo, you got to come with me, dog. It really is. Yeah. It's a definitely <sighs> kidnapping motif in this season. It's... it's I, uh, I, I I understand it from a, a point where like it's very matrix like like you're the chosen one to be able mm-hmm. to accept that you have to you have to kind of grow up faster than what you probably should have to as a kid mm-hmm. but it's like I just met you <laughs> so it's like it's like okay yep take and, my sister <laughs> and yeah but that's the other thing I'm like I'm not even mad at the kids so much as the like adults in the situation like. Yeah, I brought it here, bro. I guess I'm out of here. So see you later. Like, <laughs> what? 
and like Charik to me, I was like Charik is probably like at most seventeen, right? Like yeah. he's he's not yeah. that old. Like, damn, she's just gonna leave him there, like to he fend for saw, himself. He was about to get fucking killed, and then you're like, all right, well, I he was that literally guy, getting so. force choked like mm-hmm. just ten minutes ago. Yeah, and instead of being like, oh yeah, I can help get you to like a different place that's like safer, she's just like. No, nah, only like there's only Jedi allowed here. Like Jedi, Jedi have one track mind. They really do. I man, I just am like there's so much about that that is like indicative of like the Jedi order in Star Wars thick, but like also Yeah. We have problems just with like, the Jedi. They're not perfect. I was just sure. like, damn, like <laughs> you're just gonna leave him there? Like, what's he gonna do? Like obviously they're gonna come back to that like village. Like yeah, I guess I'll pick he's up all the food on the ground and he's eat probably it. fucked, like yep. you know? Yeah. There's not going to be a reunion. Right. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm looking too deeply into it. Like, obviously, this is intended to be, like, not... I mean, it's for younger it's audiences, but too, right. Like he 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 leaves her the levy, and she leaves him the flute, and so it's supposed to be positive and inspirational. But at the same time, you're like, man, why do Jedi? Like you said, why do Jedi keep kidnapping kids? Like, yeah. come on. Like the Sith have a problem with doing it too. But from a from a like Star Wars criticism point of view, I'm just kind of like, come on, y'all. But like obviously, in the in in the context of the episode, it's like I I. Like, it all makes sense. Like, I get why they're doing it, but I'm also just kind of like, but I kind of (laughs) don't, you know? I don't know. I I just, I always have issues with that where I'm like, help the guy out. Like, come on, you can take him somewhere else. Because that's what, that's what she's doing with, with uh, Ronnie is like, she's taking, she's going to be taking her to like a safe, like a a safe house or something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the the honey is underwater, so. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get more secret than that, you know. Which was badass, by the way. Super, it was super so badass. cool. Yeah, I I really wasn't expecting. Like I I I see the Jedi like moving water around, sure, but like the Jedi, like the Rebel Rebellion, like the Jet. Actually, no, it was like the Jedi symbol was super fucking cool. Mm-hmm. On, yeah, uh, yeah, that was really neat. It was like the uh, I know I don't know if that's no, yeah, I guess it's like the Jedi Knight or Jedi Academy, just like Jedi symbol. Yeah, they yeah. use it for many different mm-hmm. things. Yep. Um, well, I was going to ask, Sick, did you have any, like, final, final thoughts on that one? I know we talked a lot about, like, just, like, the different aesthetics of it and stuff like that. But, like, the fight sequence, anything like that that, like, in this latter half really stu- stood out to you? Uh, I guess I guess my three takeaway points is the cane, again, the cane lightsaber. That's just... That's, that's so cool. cool. Yes. You can't do but so much better than that. Yeah. Um, I felt like, and I don't know how y'all feel about this one in particular, but I felt like this episode more than probably any of the other ones really infused their their culture on the episode more than any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I, I like agree with that. Personally, um, you just, I just felt like I was being introduced to more and more like Indian culture like throughout the episode. And now yep. with like the backstory of things, it, it makes even more sense. Um, and do y'all feel, I looked up the meanings of both Charuk and Ronnie and wonder if this changes any opinions on Ooh. either character. Mm. Uh, Charuk apparently handsome and Ronnie apparently means queen. Oh, I did not even think to look up the, their names, but, uh, yeah, that is fascinating. Um, so, <laughs> so that's kind of funny. So his name is just handsome and then she's queen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which I, makes you wonder. Yeah, I feel like it makes me think that their parents had a certain perception of them. And not just that they thought Charik was a cute kid, but that that's more of like a like a mundane personification of someone, right? Whereas like calling someone a queen is a much more like delicate and like prized sort of personification of someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I just thought of something though. It also Oh, that's fascinating. It also is kind of kind of archetypical characters in Star Wars because Queen is uh like Princess Leia, princess, mm-hmm. but like eventually she would be Queen Leia if she didn't become General Organa. That's but true. Queen, like royalty, mm-hmm. but then you also have the her, like who she marries, Han Solo, and I know they're brother and sister, so like obviously it's a little bit different. But like you have the archetypical kind of like rogue mm-hmm. character, which handsome is rogue. Han Solo, hands yeah, like a handsome rogue. So also Anakin. That's, that's fascinating. So, like, they kind of, like, name them almost after kind of a little bit of, like, their Star Wars kind of archetypes as well. Because, they're, they're like, that that was his whole thing. Charik's whole thing was, like, being that bandit. Like, yeah. being the charismatic, like, mm-hmm. we're going to steal shit, like, kind of thing. And then she kind of didn't really fit into that. Yeah. Um, she was the chief. She was the bandit chief. So that Yeah. Kind of, she also had a leadership oh. role in some oh. ways. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is very. I'm so glad you pointed at that. Yeah, out. yeah. I that's love uh, that. I mean, now, granted, I, I still think she was annoying, but I assume yeah, she'll grow. Sure. I assume she'll grow to be very useful. So there's that. Very useful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah. that's a that's a perfect segue, I think, into the next episode. So this is episode eight, the pit, which is a much deeper and darker emotional feeling than we're going to have yeah. at the end. Even though we did have a slit throat, this is much, much different turn of events. Honestly, than the last like one. the pit, I don't even care that there was a oh. slit throat in that one. This is one is much more brutal. Oh my gosh. Like, absolutely. Holy shit. So a little background again, before we get into the story. Um, so this studio actually worked hand in hand with Lucasfilm. Um, Leandre Thomas actually worked for, at Lucasfilm for 10 years and actually started working on this story in 2020. My name is Leandre Thomas and I'm the writer and director for The Pit. The original idea for The Pit started in 2020. That was, of course, during the peak of the pandemic. It was a time of unrest. It's really just tying back to one of the oldest themes in Star Wars, which is rebellions and empires, oppression and hope. We have a group of people who are forced by the Empire to dig where they stand, and as they work for the benefit of others, it sinks them lower and lower. And as they're sinking lower and lower, other people are ascending higher and higher. Which I think makes total sense. Um, Not only was it like the height of the pandemic, but it was the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, and there was a lot of fucking tension that we can that is just so prevalent that you can obviously see in this episode. Um, And even though he'd been working on this episode for two years, he wanted to find an animation studio that would aptly kind of represent what he wanted to do. And so that's when they started looking at um, uh, the art uh, Shijiao. It's, uh, I want to say it well, but it's so hard. It's like, 
Uh, oh, it's um, Stagio. That's what it is. It's not Shadow. It's Stagio. You have you have a much better no. uh, <laughs> voc- like vocabulary with this than I do with anything that I'm trying to pronounce. So, so <laughs> plus you know, like <laughs> so Stagio is actually an amount. It's a it's a Japanese word, but then it's also um, it's also like a it's a, an amalgamation of two different Japanese words. So the word uh, stagio is a play on words in both English and Japanese to reflect um, their commitment towards building a strong foundation. So it's stagi gadaiji, which is the foundation is important, uh, is the original phrase that they used for this. Um, and then the Japanese word for studio, which is stagio. So it's stagio. Um, so stagi and stagio, stagio. That's how you get that. So it's just like foundational kind of art foundation studio. Got it. It was actually just, it was founded in 2016. So it's still fairly new. I feel like, um, by brothers, um, Artel and Darnell Isam. Um, and it is the first black owned Japanese anime studio in Japan, which is fucking incredible. Um, it's incredible, but also like, well, we talked about this a little bit, like, cause we, yesterday we had dinner dinner with, but like, it's also, wild that it's the first like Mm -hmm. the first of its kind like in 2016 you know like Mm -hmm. it's wild that it took that long Mm -hmm. yeah you know the the gatekeeping is is and other things are it's bad yeah yeah absolutely unfortunately yeah but they've worked on very prevalent and very popular um animations uh they actually did the weekend snow child music video um, a lot of their animation was in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Tokyo Ghoul, Attack on Titan, and One Piece, which are you, have you watched any, I know you've watched some of those anime, um, stick or do any of those kind of, um, stick out particularly for you? So, uh, ironically, three of those aren't like in my top favorite, but <laughs> I do, I did Tokyo Ghoul. Uh, I think Attack on Titan is even though the story isn't necessarily for me, I think the animation is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think the animation in both Jojo and One Piece are some of the most unique you'll find in anime. You won't find, you can't find that anywhere else. I would agree. Yeah. They're very, very Jojo is specifically like, mm-hmm. I just, even if you've never seen it, you know what it looks like, right? Yeah. Have you, exactly. how much of, just curious, how much of One Piece have you watched, Sick? Oh, uh, let me see. Uh, none of it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I, I, let me see. None. It's so, like, One Piece is one of those shows, I, like, it. it's so daunting that a show like that exists, right? Like, you have to literally, you, like, I know I, I don't know about you guys, but when you go into a series, what's one of the first things you do, especially if it's something that you know has been out for a while, and you're like, "Let me see if I can catch up." Right? What's the first thing you do? You check the, you check the number of seasons. That's the first thing you do, bro. You literally have to go through one thousand plus episodes <laughs> to catch up. One oh piece. my Why god! I, yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I. Uh... That's too much. I could do it with Pokemon. Well, okay, like, with, the thing about that is, like... I'm caught up. <laughs> with, with Pokemon, like, you're not gonna, like, lose out on anything if you just watch the newest 
Like That's they true. break it into like shows and I don't know if one piece does this or not, but they break it into like, it's not just like seasons. It's like new, like, like, and it's not even like connected necessarily, but like, man, I just like what I hear about one piece. I'm like, I, I would, I would be interested in it, but like, I can't, I can't, I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell me. Oh no. You got to wait for the first 300 episodes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> good oh no that's my favorite that's my favorite thing about like a show is like you know it's like oh you, you just watch it after like season one and like you'll be fine but like that's like 300 episodes that's how long it took <laughs> oh my god well fortunately they only did some of the animation on some of the episodes yeah. this is not the studio i mean it's that is uh to blame for the storyline of One Piece. That's not. I don't think like I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying we're not go. We we're not going there. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know anything about One Piece, and I like I I know a lot of people that are like it's so good. Like, but like it's just it's just too much. Like that's my commentary on it. Is mm-hmm. like I just I can't bring myself to start it because it's like I know I'll never finish it. Like yeah. But. Plus, I like the I love the art style on this episode. Actually, I, that yeah. was one Gosh, of my, yes. actually the first note I put in here. It's like I love this art style. It's so good. Yeah. It's incredible. So, um, Artel, one of the founding brothers, actually explained that their studio was kind of the perfect fit for Visions 2 because Visions 1 was all anime, right? And 2 was studios from all over the country that had, like, a westernized film influence. And he felt like they were right in the middle of that. Like, they have a very western art style, but also a very quintessential anime art style, too. And, obviously, black voices are needed not only in the message that they're telling in this story, but in Star Wars in general. Um, mm-hmm. We don't see enough of that. I live and breathe Star Wars every day. This company is really a part of my life. Growing up in the Bay Area, admiring Lucasfilm so much, it was important for me to be an example to young people to come out of this company as a director, as someone who made a Star Wars story who looks like the way I look who has hair the way I have hair. We talked about that kind of yesterday with you, Stick, about just representation in some of our favorite video games and things too, especially in Japanese video games. It's the same yeah. thing with Star Wars. We don't we don't get that enough. So this well, is and, like a perfect bridge of Western and Eastern culture. And Star Wars does not have, unfortunately, the best track record no. with, you know, black actors and black characters. Like, there's obviously, like the the famous example in the 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 sequels with like John Boyega um I'm blanking on his character's name right now for some reason but um oh my gosh Finn Finn good lord um it's one of my favorite yeah anyway Finn that like they they set up this whole thing and where like you see him in the posters like holding the lightsaber and it's like oh he's gonna be a jedi and then they basically just he like, might have a romantic like he might have a ro- with- yeah and then they just completely like scrap his story and like really or not scrap his story like he's still in the movies but like they completely change everything up yeah and they really just do like they don't really do right by him or his character uh but him more importantly and he's been like pretty outspoken too about like how that treatment happened but mm-hmm. um yeah anyway i 100 percent co-sign because like there's i especially in star wars there's just not a good track record like no. at all um with giving like black characters their like a good voice like um it's just not something they have done good like goodbye <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That is why it is again, y'all are just going through my notes, but that was one of the things I had on my notes for these two episodes is I do like this is one of the reasons I do like Star Wars Visions is it does feel like they gave more attention to diversity in here. So like you're seeing mm-hmm. a lot more characters you wouldn't see in a typical Star Wars film, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And another note on the illustration that we both we know we all love so much, um, Leandre, who again was the um, Leandre Thomas is the one the filmmaker that worked on in on Lucasfilm. My, yeah, on Lucasfilm, he just loved the animation style of Studio uh, D Art. Uh, I want to say it again, D Art Stagio. That's right, D Art Stagio, D Art Stagio. Okay. <laughs> anyway. He loved the style because he said that like he grew up watching anime as a kid and what he loved about and I can also agree with this because as all of you know all the two of you know my favorite (laughs) anime growing up was Sailor Moon and one thing I loved about it especially with the 80s anime style was actually all the like kept imperfections of the animation like there was some like kind of lanky kind of like awkward movements and stuff but it like just made it more genuine right no i agree i think again one of my favorite styles of anime i guess my favorite anime all comes from like the 80s 90s and mm-hmm. it's just I, I, I don't know the best way to explain it but it's just like i felt like you felt the hard work in there yes. not to say that 2000, 2000, these current ones aren't showing hard work because they look fantastic, by the way. Some of the animation and fight scenes are amazing. Sure. But I just, I could, there was a, a synergy between me and the artist watching it because I felt like I'm appreciating the hard work that you put in here. Even though I can catch like, ooh, this, you made a little blocky move here. Like there's a little, this coloration is different here. I appreciate the effort you put in there. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it no, does because you really can does. see it more. You can see the hand drawnness of it more, which isn't an imperfection more so as it is reminding you that this was drawn. This by is drawn a by a person. Yeah, because everything is hand drawn. There are these little imperfections. You can feel the humanity in the work, and that reminds me a lot of the anime I watched growing up because there were those imperfections. It wasn't a perfect anime. Well, and we talked about that a lot too on when we talked about the uh, the couple of stop motion episodes that were in this mm-hmm. this volume of, of visions, where like, and, and and I think a lot about this too when it comes to like old, even like old Star Wars, right? Like old movies from a time period where we weren't like CGIing everything, where we were using practical effects. Like, there's something that like is charming, right? Like we all. Here's the, here's like my kind of overall take on this is like we all know we're we're watching entertainment right yeah. like we all know we're watching a movie like sometimes it's great when stuff looks super real I'm thinking of like you know big budget movies and shit like that today where it's like everything like is as perfect as can be and it looks as real as can be but like there's also like that aspect of it of like well we all know like we're watching something fantastical like mm-hmm. why not have something that is more um reminiscent of like the art style yeah right like mm-hmm. you know something that is that feels like it is actually derived from you know the medium that it's that it's really you know taking from and you see some of those like whether it's like 
really weirdly drawn lines and like some of the hand-drawn episodes of visions or like the blocky movements and uh the claymation ones or, or not claymation stop motion ones mm-hmm. um or even here where it's like you get that like not as um not as like perfected isn't the right word but not as like crystal clear like animation that mm-hmm. you get like in a lot of other like modern you know anime mm-hmm. i agree yeah. Did you want to add anything else, Stick, before we moved on to the uh, kind of the cast and crew before we get into this intense story? Now, let's hear about the cast and crew, man, because there's this one guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you might some have... of these people might be a little familiar. I don't to know. You. Some, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard of this one person. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, like I said, this was written and directed by Leandre Thomas. He's actually a writer and director in Lucasfilm. He's been working there for 10 years. Um, he's from Oakland, California. And he is obviously the writer, director, executive producer of The Pit. But he also has credits in other Lucasfilm things, such as The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, oh, shit. The Book of Boba Fett, no way. Um, The Bad Batch, Tales of the Jedi, and many more. So Let's like go, he's Bad been Batch. on tons of stuff. And we actually saw him in the... I got really excited to see our... Our Dave Filoni, our man with a cowboy hat in the um, extras, because he was like talking to Leandre, which was really cool. And Dave Filoni is one of the coolest things that come out of this, I don't know, this weird marriage of Star Wars and Disney, because he's made some of the best Star Wars stuff ever. And it's all the stuff that we love. So that was really exciting. Um, and then Justin Ridge was also a director on this. He's known for Star Wars Resistance, and he was also part of the animation department in the Clone Wars animated series, which is, of course, our favorite thing. Um, in terms of cast, we have a fucking star-studded cast. So we have David Diggs as Crux, who was in... He's a, I mean, he's an actor, singer, producer, writer, and rapper. He is the vocalist um, of the hip-hop group Clipping, and he very... Um, I guess the most recent things that he's been in. Uh, he was the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton. Um, he was Sebastian in the newest Little Mermaid live action, which I did not realize, which I have not seen yet. I still don't okay. know if I want to see it. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Snowpiercer, the show. Damn. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy and Blackish. Uh, Annika Nani Rose as Eureka and the mother. So this was the older girl and then also the mother of Livy. Um, Tony Award winner, Tiana in The Princess and the Frog. So there we have a Disney princess Wild. in this already. Um, and then Dream Girls and Everything, Everything. Um, Jordan Cure as Livy. She is the adorable little girl. Um, she's actually, obviously she's a child actress. And although she's been acting since the age of two, um, and she's gotten almost like over 20 plus roles in television. She's like in a new show called um, Home Economics, which oh, she's yeah, like yeah. one of the main characters on. So I've that's really Ec. cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Um, Cedric Yarbrough as the older prisoner. And I recognize his voice immediately. Um, he's in various comedy uh, and various also um, more re- recently a lot more like you know, more emotional and, and, and kind of darker kind of stuff. But he was in Reno 911. I don't I don't know why I say it like that. It's just like <laughs> everyone knows Reno 911. <laughs> Did you ever watch Reno 911, Stick? I've caught, like, clips of it before. It's actually pretty hilarious. It's it is. Those, it is funny. Where if, you, if you're watching TV and you just happen to stop on it, you probably get stuck there for a little bit. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, he was also in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Black Dynamite. Um, he's currently in Lucky Hank and Unfrosted. And then a little guy named Steve Blum was one of the stormtroopers. Are all the stormtroopers? A heard, little con- <laughs> what was that, Stick? I've heard, I've heard that guy, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just in case you forgot, can you remind us who Steve Blum is, Stick? <laughs> um, I mean, quite possibly the greatest, you know, uh, anime voice actor there is, but he did voice uh, the greatest anime character of all time, Spice Spiegel from Cowboy mm-hmm. Bebop. Hey, among yeah. other, other things. Uh, like everything. <laughs> literally everything. Yeah, he um, he he's one of those voices where it's like, a lot of times when, when you have like voice actors, it's like if you can, I, I think there's like, there's like a pinnacle, right? Of like, if, if you re- start recognizing their voice and everything, like you are like top, top. And I feel like there's him. But it's not that he's doing his own voice. It's no. that like you can just hear his voice and, under everything. Yep. It's, it's crazy. It's, there's him, there's John DiMaggio. And then I feel like there's one other. There's like, quite a, a few others. I feel like, I can't remember her name, but she was um, right now. Oh, she was in like Rugrats and like. Oh, oh, Sarah oh. Yep. Yes. Yep. yep. Yes. Like, like absolutely. Th- like, I feel like he's like, that's like S tier for mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like American voice acting talent. Like yeah. that's like the tier that, and I'm sure there's like a couple other people who make it up, but like, yeah, like when you start talking about Steve Blum, it's like, yeah, I mean, come on. And also he did, he, so I don't know if you know this stick, but he was, he's been stormtroopers in, um, other star Wars, like all star Wars. Yeah. Stuff. And like other star Wars stuff too, which is kind of funny. Um, I can't remember exactly which ones Lego star Wars. Yeah. He's I'm done it. Sure. Yeah. In and Clone Wars. I think in one of the newer, se- like, se- no, not in Clone Wars. Cause there weren't the Mandalorian or one of the live actions too, I believe. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you gotta have Steve Blum. It was crazy. What? He's sixty-three. No way. Yes, dude. He's. Like, I had no idea. I mean, it makes sense because he's been around forever. But like, he sounds damn. Like he's like thirty. He also has <laughs> like, a hot exactly, voice. Is that's so hot. exactly what I said, man. That's that's so crazy. Damn, and he's. Wow. I mean, he's just been around. I mean, he's just been around forever. Like, yeah, yeah. And then last but not least, we have Matthew Wood, also as Stormtroopers. And Matthew Wood, we know, of course, is like all of the droids and, yeah. and every Star Wars thing possible as well. It is um, funny so that he's they got... Like a, he's like a quintessential Star Wars voice actor. They really needed, um, just to like make the trifecta, um, our boy, um, why am I blanking on it, who does all the voices of the clone troopers, Cass. Um, oh, shit. Ah, this is like we're we're gonna our podcast is gonna get canceled for us not remembering his name, um. But like having Matthew Wood and Steve Blum, who both like voice like D Bradley Baker, D Bradley Baker, D Bradley Baker. Like they just needed him somewhere like in the mix, just to have the three like yeah. voicing. Steve Blum is the human stormtroopers, right? Steve Blum is the is the is the post. Yes. Post order sixty six. I think in Rebels. I'm pretty sure he does it in Rebels. Yeah. yeah. And then and then D. Bradley Baker are original clone clone troopers who are the actual clones. So of course they all have the same voice. Um so good. Oh my gosh. So now we're gonna move into what? Sorry, no, I have ahead. to correct. I have to correct the record. He is not the stormtroopers in Rebels. He's fucking Zeb in Rebels. 
That's no, st- Steve Blummis. Yeah, Steve Blummis. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. So- I I had to say that because otherwise I was just gonna. Like I said, we're our, someone would cancel our podcast just for not knowing those details. Cause... And he was in um, Mandalorian because uh, we had a little little Zeb cameo mm-hmm. in that. So basically, he's a main character in Star Wars Rebels, is what we meant to say, not just a stormtrooper. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> enough about uh, our favorite. Uh, we could talk about him forever. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure we talked about him last time too. But um. So the Disney Plus episode for this one is a young prisoner forced to dig for Kyber by the Empire plans an escape for himself and his people. First of all, we've already kind of talked a little bit about the the animation style of this. Not only is it just like such a desolate beginning to this episode. Mm-hmm. like It's like this group of stormtroopers have these workers that are in chains behind them in these yellow coveralls. And the guy literally just stops in the middle of nowhere and points at the ground and just says, dig. start digging and what really grinds me up about this part is they're digging with pickaxes which are not a futuristic tool there cannot be the most like advanced technology to be doing what they're supposed to be doing so like already this is insane to me right it yeah i mean I, right off the bat you know i know that they said they were prisoners but based off who the creators are based off mm-hmm. the, the people in the, the prisoners, the prisoners that are there very much slavery type of vibes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, using, using, you know, less than efficient tools was kind of, you know, to make sure that you get the most work out of them. You could, you could definitely see where they were headed with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gets worse. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't even put together the, like the fact that they were just using pickaxe. Cause like, I'm so used to just like in, you know, fantasy or like animation it's Mm -hmm. like yeah of course like they'd be mining with pickaxes but it's like no they have fucking spaceships and laser swords in this universe they have mining lasers like what the fuck yeah like they don't need to do this to these people like at all like you know regardless of the tools they have yeah you have other like means like and droids like that's the other thing too there's droids droids in this not that droids need to be art we don't need to be enslaving droids either i'm just saying but but i would do that to droids oh, over oh absolutely <laughs> yeah fucking like, get c-3po down there and let him mine his ass off i don't yeah. care um but this is probably th- this part was just so like breathtaking and crazy to me um this there's a time lapse moment almost immediately where they start digging we don't really know what they're digging for yet right but we start to see and leandre thomas actually said this in his, in the extras you know, we're watching these people dig themselves deeper and deeper into the ground while during the time lapse we see the built the city that they're building with the Kyber that they are mining. Yep. Like soaring to the sky. Take 
while they go farther and farther in the ground. And this is this is fascinating to me from a from a Star Wars lore standpoint. So I'm not undermining. I you can stop me, stick, if I'm telling you things you already know. But Kyber is a crystal that is commonly in lightsabers. Um, and I think we talked about it. Actually, I think we talked about it on the first. You actually probably. Yeah, we went over it in your episode in Visions 1, right? Because the twins was an episode we watched with you. And we talked about the different type, like what different kyber crystals are like, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you you remember. Yeah. So I guess I thought that was interesting because we're not seeing them mine kyber for lightsabers. They're like using it to build the city. We don't really know to what the extent, but we do hear one of the stormtroopers say that it's going to sell for a lot of money, right? I, I was I think it's wild that like you mentioned we mentioned like the like we're in a futuristic place. At first I was like, oh man, like they built this whole city up like really fast, like while these people are like digging. But then I was like, oh yeah, that's right, because they had the fucking tools to do it and build a city pretty fast. Like it's pretty yeah. realistic. Yeah. I think it's also crazy too that and I I'm sure it's symbolic, uh while they were you know, digging and also building the city, they were also technically digging their own graves. Yes. I'm so glad you said yeah. that because I, it's like I, I knew that, but I said it aloud too the second time we watched it today because lo and behold, as soon as they get to the bottom and they get to the end and there's like, I guess this like, you know, this shelf of, of mineral that they can't kind of go past there's this moment where they think they're all being freed because the stormtroopers, you know, un- unlock their shackles and then they turn all the lights off. Huh? <gasps> They've reached the end. We're finished. Well done, Commander. I guess I want to get y'all's reactions on that moment because for me, I know like I know there's Star Wars moments that have been much more that have been pretty brutal. Like we just talked about the the the, the throat, but like this is probably the most brutal thing I've ever seen a stormtrooper do to a group of people in all of Star Wars. I mean, from a Star Wars perspective, like yeah, I don't. I, I this would probably be up there like at least um you know if not like the like top moment but yeah it was just like i don't know this one is like like hard to like discuss like obviously it's hard to talk about for a lot of reasons but like it's also just like watching the episode um like there were a lot of moments where i just kind of like paused and was just like holy shit like Mm -hmm. this is wild Mm -hmm. like i don't know I, i i this was a like moment that I was just kind of like speechless where I was like, 
fuck. Like they mm-hmm. really just did that mm-hmm. <laughs> to these people. Um, it's, it's one thing. It's one thing when they're actively, you know, killing them. They're like, they're taking their time. They're shooting them. They're doing whatever it is that, that they normally do. This, this, the, what they did shows a level of, of, less than a care right like mm-hmm. we don't care what happens from here on we're not even going to take the time to shoot you we're not going to take the time to kill you we're just going to let you wither away slowly mm-hmm. so i think that's really the more the haunting part about this this situation yeah yeah shooting them at this point might have been a reprieve because if they mm-hmm. weren't going to save them at least give them the decency to like not starve with the with their children at their sides like there are literal children in there mining yeah. And old and old men, like it's yeah, just I mean all disgusting. Man, like, yeah. all manner of like ages of people, like yeah, it it. I was not like I didn't know what to. I like <laughs> it's funny because like the episode's called the pit, right? And I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I knew like I kind of like just based on the description and like mm-hmm. some of what we knew about it, like kind of had like an idea that I was not expecting it to be that where it's like they literally like you said stick they literally dig their own grave mm-hmm. like in the episode and we see that like yeah but at least um that night we're kind of introduced to some of these incredible characters um and one of the kind of main characters this young boy crux who apparently you know a lot of the people that have been mining with him seem to all look up to him they seem to listen to him and you know, they have like a little campfire going and Eureka, this one woman asked them, you know, they ask him like, what are we going to do? Um, and apparently Crux has this idea to climb the pit. We've been hearing rumors of a big city near. I've plotted the best course to climb. When I get to the top, I'll go there to find help. Help? Listen to me. I've seen this story before. Even if you manage to climb out of here alive and reach that city, they won't help us. Stay here. It's just too dangerous. He has a point. How do you know they'll help us? I'll bring them here. When they see this, when they see us, I know they'll help. They'll do the right thing if they follow their light. I don't see any other way out. And so the next morning, he does that. Obviously, it's very arduous and very hard. There's actually this great moment where there's like this little armadillo alien that like actually like gives him footholds to mm-hmm. hold on to so that he can climb all the way up, which is so sweet. And and before I cannot leave this part out, he speaks to the little girl, um, Livy, and she seems to have a very strong relationship with him. And she asked him, like, Crux, what light are you talking about? (laughs) Everyone has an inner light. No matter how dark, it's always there to guide you the right way. It lives in us all. Even in these. Sometimes people forget this, so don't be afraid to use your voice and remind them. To follow the light? to follow the light from a star wars perspective we think like the force right we where we think like their hope right their courage their 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 light and he actually ends up giving her a slice of a kyber crystal that he must have tucked away from the stormtroopers and he keeps it 
or she gets she keeps it and so with that he you know goes off to the city and I just want to stop for a moment and talk about um Star Wars sound and the music for this and it had a really cool like 80s like like cyber punk kind of vibe did y'all get that from the music yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of similar to like uh, you know like Guardians of the Galaxy does that where they do like old 80s stuff yes it felt very much like that I yeah I yeah I loved it and but the thing is is that it had such an emotional draw to it yeah like kind of remind me of Stranger Things too where they have like this 80s like resonant sound and actually in the um, filmmaker focus, they talk about how they focus, they definitely, they focus very deeply on the sound of the pit and what it sounded like. And our heroes, you know, our, our black characters, like Crux, his climb out of the pit is, is huge because you can feel the pressure that he's under to be, you know, that inspiration of hope for everyone who's down there. He's climbing out! Skywalker sound really nailed the scene where Crux climbs out of the pit. You go from being in the depths of this dark pit. There's a lot more echo. There's a lot more reverb. <laughs> being in a place with enclosed walls. And as he gets out of the pit, his dialogue and his voice become a lot more clear. And we want people to feel the air and the space on the surface. Excuse me, my name's Crux, and um, excuse me. The acoustics are completely different. I need your help. We need your help. It needed to sound like they weren't on the same playing field. And when he gets to the city, there's acoustics. And you can hear all of the voices of the people, right? And you can hear him specifically. You can hear Crux's voice echoing against the rafters of this of this building that they're in. Um, and the footsteps of everyone. But no one is paying attention to him. Yeah. This part was very, like... I mean, the whole episode is very poignant, but like this part especially is very poignant where he's like going and asking for help and like (sighs) people are just ignoring him. Like that's like really real and like touches on like a lot of like a lot of different things, a lot of different issues that we have in our own society. I mean, like everyone listen up. I need all of you to hear me out just for a moment. This is important. I need your help. We need your help. On the outskirts of this city, there is a giant pit. Hundreds of us are trapped down there, deep below the surface. Even children, all stranded with no way out. And those kyber crystals, they were mined by us, not the Empire. We helped build this city, and now we need your help. If you follow me, I can show you. Where? Where? For one thing, people like trying to just yeah. ask for help that that no one watches or everyone ignores, like the 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 invisible people. You mm-hmm. know? Did you guys feel like? And this might have been. I don't know if this was on the the focus, but I felt like the voices in this episode were subtle. Yes. They, I think, like when they went to pit, everything sounded low. Like everybody's voices were low, even though there was no need for them to whisper. It felt like they were whispering. All almost as if they were afraid to speak. And then, you know, as the episode gets, as we get closer to the end of the episode, you notice that people's voices get louder and that's when things start to turn. So I don't know if y'all noticed. Yeah. I'm so glad you, no, I'm so glad that you said that because they, they actually did note that in the filmmaker focus that 
they they specifically say that Crux's voice is louder and he seems to find his voice when he gets to that kind of like podium underneath the kyber crystal like light there's like this like um stained glass window made of kyber you're exactly right like it it was it's been very quiet up until this point and then he's shouting and actually the voice actor that that makes a note while he is um he was like, I'm going to start shouting. Can you can you check my levels? Like, make sure you're okay. And they're like, yeah, yeah. He's like, because I'm going to actually shout. And so the voice <laughs> actor's like giving, I mean, giving it his all, which is, I mean, like, so powerful. Yeah. Um, and he's telling them, he's telling them, like, you guys need to go. You guys, we need your help. We're right outside. You know, it's like just over, just beyond you, there is this, pit and all these people are in it we're out you know they left us there to starve we need help and everyone's kind of looking inquisitively and of course before he can finish stormtroopers chase him down and they Mm. i just realized something like when you're saying that like oh god so we were talking about how just a second ago like the stormtroopers like the people in the pit like they could have killed them and it would have arguably been like a little more decent right mm-hmm. so stormtrooper trooper rifles have and this is like a common thing in like most sci-fi stuff but there's like a stun setting and then there's like a just blaster like fucking kill you setting the the commander like literally says stun him yep instead of like shooting him or killing him. And they know exactly what they're going to do with him. Yeah. And like, I didn't even, it didn't even like occur to me. Like they, like he shouts stun him, but like they have the, they could have just shot him and killed him there. Well, part of it also was probably to save face in front of people. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You know? That's true. But still, it's just like what ends up happening is they literally stun him, carry him back to the fucking pit and then throw him in the pit. And so that, I mean, I know we were just talking about one of the worst things. Like, obviously that is right alongside that is this moment where he wakes up as soon as they're about to throw him in. And I was very surprised that, I mean, it was a very deep pit, so clearly he didn't survive, but there was just something very jarring about the way that we see or we find out that he truly is dead is that Livy goes running towards where he fell and we see someone kind of pull tarp over him and it's just this moment of like just dashed hopes right like just crushed crushed hope it's it's crazy because like i think watching a lot of these episodes in moments like that nine times out of ten Someone saves them. Someone yeah. saves someone in that moment. Like, oh, you know, the a Jedi comes in, or somebody uses the Force to stop it. And you, and as someone watching, you're like, okay, there's no way they're gonna throw him over here. Who's gonna be the person to stop it? Are the are the people gonna come and stop them? So mm-hmm. when it didn't happen, I felt like that. It kind of rips your heart out watching it. Absolutely. Yeah, I it, you you kind of expect like cuz like he falls Maybe Livy like will will save him or maybe like, they'll maybe catch they'll him. Gra- yeah. You know, and they don't like, know what's going on. Cuz there is there is a version of the story, right, where like 
the all the people like come together and like they catch him before he falls and then he's able to like climb back up or something like that and you know maybe he's able to rouse people that way or like i don't know but like that's not what we get we get like literally just like the bottom like it's the bottom of the pit and it's like the bottom of kind of like the darkness of the episode like at this moment where mm-hmm. he just falls they literally throw him to his death yeah and it seems like at this point it is the lowest it can get right and and stick you you're the one that said it i mean the silence and the quietude at the beginning really rises not only into the voice of crux but then the voice of all of them when livy remembers that he told her to tell them to follow their light and it's very endearing because even her mom believe you know even her mom says you're right that's what we need to do they kind of realize like we need to we need to use our voice and and alert these people like literally to what's happening out here but we also need to stir them to action we can't be quiet and that i don't know i feel like that is a very provocative and very important message that you you can't stifle someone's voice um when it's also poignant that it comes after like the death the death of someone yeah yeah like which again like going back to how when, many times have we seen this in, yeah. in real life you know yeah like it's did, did they i didn't actually i haven't i didn't do my homework for this one and i didn't watch the filmmaker focus for this one but did they talk about like any like particular like not in recent per- <laughs> events that like inspired well, like I said, this or? 2020 yeah they didn't go too in depth um but they don't need to i feel like i think yeah, it, that's the that is the if you're familiar with anything that's happened in the last decade or 30 years or 50 years. Or the you entirety start, of... Yeah. Yeah. Well, specifically, you History. start thinking of some names, right, that come to mind that signify that someone, you know, a black man has been shot or killed and no one is paying attention. And they should be. And I think that's what's supposed to not sit well with us, right? Like, it's not supposed to feel good to see that happen, especially in in a story that's supposed to have hope in it. Yeah. You know? Well, and then it, it like, leads into kind of, like, people, like, it, it leads into, like, people, like, stirring people mm-hmm. to action, um, and what I love is when that happens is we see, first of all, the, the art is beautiful. Like we see the beautiful lights coming and all the people walking down to the pit and the stormtroopers are about to shoot them. And again, we see this moment of, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking right of like all the protests that are happening in the world and the um, resistance put up against just people walking and not doing anything violent. But the first thought of the stormtroopers is to shoot them mm-hmm. when they've done nothing. What is that? Citizens, return to your homes. This is ridiculous. What is happening? Maintain the area or we will open fire. Up there, They're not going There's something wrong down there. This is your final warning. 
I mean, that was a very, um, that was a very important and like, there was a reason that was done, right? That, that was the reason it was done. But what I also love is that they just keep walking and they push right through them. They don't, they don't attack anybody. They just push right through them. And, you know, the stormtroopers asked like, Captain, what should we do? And he was like, we go, we leave. And, uh. Which is wild. That Thank they fucking just, like, God. <laughs> get, they just like get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Like, that is so wild to me. Um, that was weird though, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like they'll, they'll stand in the face of like lightsabers and, and, and people with the force, but an angry mob is where they just draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have to imagine that it's like. There's some political underpinnings on the It's because right? I. I think it's because they're rich people. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think they're probably, like, like, beneficiaries. Like, or not beneficiaries. It's not the right. Benefactors. They, they, like, probably are, like, really rich, like, powerful, like, working for the empire type people. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah. And so I guess they're kind of like, well, we can't. I'm going to get shot if I shoot a rich guy. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the vibe I got from it, especially just given, like how like we're talking like the kyber crystals are supposed to be like very valuable and like i'm assuming that like a and lot of these people are buying as, like ornamentation of yeah. the city so clearly this is like a very like um lucrative yeah. venture yeah but i do think i think that it there was might be funny though it was very funny where they're just like nope we're out of here like it was very fast too where they're just like all right let's go <laughs> like i don't know stormtroopers fucking suck but yeah they do we could probably look at that as another thing in our society, how yeah. rich are looked differently than other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like they, they're doing, they're being aggressive in a manner. They're, they're going against the quote. They're not quote unquote complying with orders, but nothing happens. And yeah. so there's a lot of, there's a powerful, there's a lot of powerful messages and imagery in this episode that, I don't want to go over people's heads because there's it's, it's a beautiful message and important message in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, you're right. It's like the, the, the rich people just have privilege, you know, to, to like know that they can like, they can push past the stormtroopers and won't, won't be harmed. Mm-hmm. Like they know that that, like, I don't think, you know, there was a moment when I was watching this and I was like, it is really weird that they just kind of push past them. But it's like, no, it makes perfect fucking sense. They know they can do that mm-hmm. and they're going to be fine. And I think like, yeah, that just speaks to like another societal thing. Um, and in this sense, it's kind of a, a good thing. It's kind of like that. Use your like your finally like, it's that, I you know, people like use that term a lot of like use your privilege, mm-hmm. like in, you know, modern society. And I think that's kind of like what happens here. Of Like yeah. the, these people know that they can push past and get you know help help someone mm-hmm. and so they they do um thank goodness so they end up there's actually this moment where we're not sure what's happening though right like they push past and they're all looking and everyone in the pit is looking up at them and there's silence and then we see all the lights go away for a second and it's like are you fucking serious are you fucking serious there's another episode again where like they just leave it's like, like that's mm-hmm. 
Go ahead, Stick. No, I was say I was gonna say yeah, that would happen. Where that's yeah. how the that how the episode would end. Right, like that. That's and and that's another thing that's like really poignant God. too. Like the fact that we're we're afraid watching this that like the rich people just left and we're like, I'm not gonna worry about it. Like that's real. Like yes. that's yes, that happens. Like that. You know what I mean? So like there is a real moment where I was just like, please, like seriously, please, please. don't tell me that's please what's stop. gonna happen. Please yeah, <laughs> like I was very very nervous that that could be mm-hmm. the case. Um, but fortunately, they don't. They they bring up they bring a ship down and they rescue them. And I want to point out if y'all hadn't noticed yet, because I there is actually a a scene after the credits of this. Yes. Um. There is like an older kind of goofy looking guy with like some goggles. Like he's kind of like a tech dude, but he's got this really cool like like pressurized backpack, and he's like tagging a rock while the whole. It's kind of funny. Everyone else is working, but he's just been tagging this rock this whole time, <laughs> and no one cares. They're like, yeah, just let him do what he's doing. Um. And then when they go to leave, he's like finishing the rock really fast. And then he goes running down there. He's like, oh, shit, I can't, you know, get stuck down here. Um, and, and we'll kind of see him in a second. But the last like very poignant moment of this hope that we were talking about is instilled in Livy, right? And it's really exciting to me because I, I just get so many goosebumps at this moment where she's in the train car with her mom. And she feels the kyber crystal kind of vibrating and it starts to float in her hand and we see it turn blue, which of course means that she is going to be a force wielder. And we assume probably a Jedi, we don't know. But incredible. I mean, talk about needing like, like black representation in Star Wars, like... I need her story. Yeah. I need I need a sequel and I need it to be her story because as devastating it is as it is to lose Crux because he was such a heroic character. I mean, he saved them. He truly did. I, I want to see what happens with her too. When he also gave her that Kyber crystal, he did. which yeah. is fascinating. Um, yeah. I guess for me, as someone who, you know, I've been watching a lot of, just a lot of stories over the years. I, I, sometimes it gets a little uh, exhausting watching a lot of black trauma in shows. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know I know that it's an important part of, of stories. But, you know, I, I, like I said, I do enjoy the story, but it's just like, damn. It's like we always have to go through this trauma portion mm-hmm. to get to our heroic parts. And sometimes I can get a little exhausted just coming from me as, as a, as a black man myself, you no. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I'm that's totally that fair. Like, you know, it is, it, it goes back to that kind of what we were talking about at the beginning is like, why, like, let's like, let's have Finn like in the sequels, like be the Jedi, be the hero, like yeah. be the like main love interest, like, you know, kind of, a little bit of like no strings attached, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just that can just be the story. Like there's been you know. enough suffering. Like yeah, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's extremely valid. And like, and this is this one was, you know, this one was like just so it was very good, but also like, man, like the pit. Like I felt like it was like the pit of my stomach. <laughs> like just like that's where like the whole time i'm watching it of like it just had this like you know it's such a dark and like because it is so close to reality and it is so brutal like yeah it's it's a very exhausting one like 
Um, yeah. Do you have any other any like from anything from this episode stick that you wanted to make sure was pointed out, or anything you wanted to reflect on? Yeah, I, again, just just the voices. How the voices. I, I I love how everything started off low, and then as as the episode progressed, you know, everyone again used their voice to make a difference. It felt very lift every voice and sing type of thing. And if you mm-hmm. connect, if you connect the slavery imagery from the beginning, um, you know, spirituals were used to sing and to lift spirits during those times. So. I felt like that all connected in this episode and, you know, kind of led to their, you know, their freedom, you know. So I, I, I did appreciate that, that, that imagery in the episode. They'll find us. They'll help us, Mom. If we tell them to follow their light, they need to know we're here. You're right. That's how we'll reach them. Let's tell them. Follow the light. 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 I mean, yeah, it just, this is the most, definitely by far the most impactful episode, no matter what. I mean, and all of them bring a beauty and, and a poignancy in their own way. But the but the relevancy, I think, of this one and knowing just all of the things that happened behind the scenes and, and who, you know, created this, um, just make it all the more important Um but I do want to ask, though, now that we're kind of wrapping up our journey <laughs> um, on a little bit more of a lighter note, but not straying too far from the subject. Um, we've 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 finished our journey of visions, but could you tell us which are your favorites? I don't know if you have ranked them or if you've just got a handful that you just wanted to shout out or. You know, for any reason at all. Because I know we kind of did that in our last season, too. And I'd love to do that again with you. Um, and then get Tommy's as well. Okay. You want to do uh, season two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Should we do... What are we doing? Top three? Top... What are we doing? Yeah, top if you got a, if you got a top three. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, for me, I, I, I said it with season one. I think the best episodes for me are ones where I'm like... I would like to see more of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm actually sad that this is over, right? So, I want to see more of these characters. I want to see where their journey takes them. So, for me, if I had to choose my top three, um, Screechers Reaches are is up there because mm-hmm. what a story! Um, yeah, it's enough. That's. Again, I like the fact that that one doesn't necessarily end happy. You know what I mean? I, I, like, 
mm-hmm. the story that you think is going to go one, one way and then like you just get this plot twist and it's like mm-hmm. really doesn't end on a happy ending it's dark as shit <laughs> right yeah she she also gets kidnapped um <laughs> <laughs> she also gets kidnapped uh i actually really like journey to the dark head love that mm-hmm. one actually. yeah maybe my favorite i'm not sure i love the animation i love the story I love the odd couple pairing of, of you know, the, <laughs> the, the Jedi and um, what was she, by the way? She's like a mechanic. We also had this question because it was. She's like force sensitive. But it's like, strange because she's like, she's like part of this group that's like a prophet, like prophets, like Jedi, but she's like a pilot. Yeah. So I don't know. And then I would say. Ah, it's tough because I like a lot of these. A lot of these are like on the this. The third one's like they're all like on the same level. So like mm-hmm. it's picking hairs at this point. Um, because I really did like I'm Your Mother. That was really funny. That one was yeah. But I would probably pick Sith because I like the fact that yes. I don't know how often this happens in Star Wars where someone just accept like, hey, listen, I'm both good and bad, bro. So yes, it not enough. This, this is who I am. Yeah, it, it it the the characters where that happens with Sick are like they end up being like the best characters. That's like, why everyone loves Ahsoka. Yeah, because she is right in the middle. I mean, she's she's still good, but like, yeah, it, she's very much like I'm not a Jedi, but um, yeah, I'm right there with you with that one. Yeah, very relatable. You know, there's a capacity of good and evil in every person, so. Just take life as it is, man. I I, I really like that. One. I'm glad. You, I'm right. really glad that like. I know that, so if you, I'm just curious about this, if you had to do like, and and I'm not asking you to do this, but like if you had to do top three overall, do you think it would mostly be like ones from season one, you think? Probably, because I, yeah. I like, the, like the twins, uh, the duel obviously is, is yeah. come mm-hmm. on, let's, let's just really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them would be season one. But yeah. That's not- anything away from season two right mm-hmm. i like season two but I, the thing about season two i felt like a lot of those episodes were very standalone-ish like they felt mm-hmm. yeah for sure i think there's there's very much like you're right like the season one had more of like the i need more of this um from from each of those episodes like man i still f- i still love Tatooine rhapsody like even though that one i think falls off a lot of people's radar like it's that's so the fun. one that i think like man just give me that show mm-hmm. like that <laughs> would be an incredible that show. kids just TV like show. a freaking like jedi led band just traveling around the galaxy like heck yeah you know um i think my it, so i'm i'm exactly with you sick of like it's kind of splitting hairs like a little bit of like what my top three is. Cause like, I feel like ev- all of them in this season, like kind of are pretty close together. Um, I think if I was going in reverse order, actually, I don't even know. I can't put them in any order. I'm just going to say them. So mm-hmm. I, I think I have to put Owl song up there for me. I really liked just like the art style on that one. Yeah. Um, and like the stop motion, like I really, really enjoyed Owl song, like a lot, like everything they did with that one. Um, was really good. Um, Screechers Reach for me as well um, is up there, and I, man, I still I'm with you, stick. Like I still can't get Sith like out of my head. That one was such like it, that one was like so artistically different, and like the way they interpreted the Force of like someone using the Force to paint is like never seen that before. Yeah. Like so fucking cool that they did that, and also too like the idea that like you know this person is 
you know, starting their own story and is a former Sith Lord or is the Sith master. Now she even says that I think at the end of the episode, like, you know, but she's also like, but I can just do whatever the fuck I want. Like, you know, there's, there's that one. I think really like, I like that one a ton. So I have two that are, that are similar to, well, two that both of you picked, but then I have one that neither of you picked as well, which is exciting to me. Um, so I also love Al song. I also just love the stop motion. I thinking in terms of like wanting to see more, I want to see this little girl grow up. I want to see this badass Jedi with the, you know, with the Cape and the, with the like hat, like come back out again. <laughs> Cause she's like just so badass. And like knowing all the cultural like references and the music and the art, style like was just so inspiring loves creatures reach such a dark just such a different point of like oh like i just i still can't get the image of the sith mother out of my head like it is so disturbing yeah. like she has probably been in my nightmares a few times like it's just <laughs> it's just so unsettling and then i also love the spy dancer that was good i did like that yeah. Yeah. I just, the, again, the art style was vastly different in that one as well. I loved having a tubby stormtrooper. I love that, you know, <laughs> they were very rotund. I also loved the race of these, like, acrobatic and, like, feisty people and, and also the poignancy of historic, like, history. Yeah. Uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful story. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, I think I'm with you too, Stick. I think if I was going to pick, a favorite season. It's really hard. I think I would pick each one for different reasons. Yeah. Um, depending on what I was doing, right? In terms of like my aesthetic and style and what I enjoy in terms of like just watching things, I have a reverence for Visions season one because mm-hmm. I have such a love of of Japanese art style in general. Um, but in terms of like overall, just like I think. Um, uniqueness to star wars and and bringing things to star wars i i was telling tommy like season one is really where star wars began in the first place because star wars was inspired by a lot of the things that were in the first season Mm -hmm. whereas this is like showing us how deeply embedded star wars in is in other cultures that we don't get to see all the time and that's so important so and how much work like mainstream star wars has to do and should do because like there's so many people that have such reverence for it and mm-hmm. like where <laughs> where is a lot of this stuff in like the mainstream like the, the visions like se- season one and season two i think i i would honestly put as like one of if not my like it, it's like up there in like terms of like favorite pieces of star wars media yes. like just as a whole because it's that good and that impactful mm-hmm. um but whoo well, I'm so glad we did this. This was a lot yeah. of different things, but I feel like, you know, we had a lot of high notes and very dark notes, but all of it was beautiful and important. And Stick, I'm so glad you were here to talk with us to wrap this up. And do you have any lasting thoughts you want to kind of throw out into the world about anything we've talked about? Yes. I One of the things that I did really, really, really appreciate was the focus on women and and girls. Mm. This season 
I, I was like, is this going to be a theme? And it just felt like it was a theme. I don't know if if, if Disney or, or, or Lucasfilms was like, hey, we want a lot of women characters, strong women characters. It's something that I really gravitate to and I love. Um, all badasses, man. I, I really appreciate that. Appreciated that, and and they they definitely gained a fan out of me based strictly off that. Hell yeah! Yes, we got him. Totally agree. Totally co-sign. <laughs> well, stick again. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, where can our friends find you in this galaxy? What do you got? What do you have that you want to plug? What is? What do you want to share with the folks? Oh man, it's so much. Um, you know, do it. I'm an author. I like I like writing things. That's fun. www.braxtonbooks.com. All my books are there, man. I'm currently working on a lot of different things. You know, I actually have to get back to working on that thing that Tommy helped me with a few years back. Ooh. I host two podcasts, man. The Clues Vino podcast, where I chat with interesting people about with interesting lives, hobbies, and experiences. While you know, drinking a glass of wine or three. Um, <laughs> also, host co-host the Two Tall Boys podcast, man, where me and my co-host Keen talk about pop culture, music, sports, relationships, and all the stuff in between. While trying not to get canceled. Um, <laughs> uh, what else am I doing? But you can follow me on Instagram at Stick Around Fifty Four. That's S T I K Around Fifty Four. On Twitter, I'm Dante Diable fifty four D A N T E underscore D I A B L E five four. Um, and I'm trying songwriting now, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, dang! Well, people need to be sure to follow you for all of that Everything. stuff and uh, to see what uh, what comes out of uh, the songwriting. So again. Stick, thank you so much for being here. We'll also have links in show notes uh, to all of your stuff, uh, including places where people can go pick up um, all of your books, which they should do immediately. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's it for today's episode. Uh, as always, we are at Distant Echoes SW on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find each of us individually as well. I am Cassie Thulu on Twitter and Instagram, and Tommy. I am at Awkward Comma on Twitter. And of course, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we're doing, please maybe think about giving us a review or rate us. Um, they really help us out, and we would love it if you dropped a five-star review. Tune in next time when we, in pursuit of sweets and plunder, ride for feast and wonder. Hell yeah. <laughs> Goodbye! <laughs>